Yeah, we're back with another podcast here. This is Jordan Canlish and I'm the founder of State Shifters. And this podcast is really about me bringing on people to hopefully inspire you and empower you to take action, purposeful action in the direction of your dreams so you can live a life of passion and purpose. And in this episode, I've got someone who I was introduced to through a mutual friend of ours, Joa Rivers, who was a previous podcast guest. And his name is Ivan Simonetti. And Ivan is a certified expressive art therapist. He's a counselor and a mindfulness trainer. And he helps people navigate through life transitions, uh, particularly people who are experiencing grief and loss. And he explores the questions of meaning and identity. In addition, Ivan is a visual arts and a multi-instrumentalist specializing in grief and plant medicine, integration and counseling. Uh, I mean, I was cross paths with Ivan um, a few months ago and we got to share a Uh, a special evening together and I got a taste for some of Ivan's uh, talent uh, and his his expressiveness through his music and his art and I was captivated by his presence and his ability to communicate some of the some of these complex teachings of psychedelics and grief and loss and death Uh, and his medicine art addresses spiritual and psychological challenges through music and visual art, helping people to address what words often can't. So to get to know Ivan a little bit better, you can look him, look up Ivano on YouTube. Um, but I've brought him onto the podcast so you guys can get a bit of a one-on-one taste of what Ivan's like. Uh, just a few things to note. Um, I was actually in a cafe for this one because I couldn't didn't have any space uh, at home. Uh, so I had to take, take the podcast out, outside. Uh, so it's a little bit noisy in the background, but don't let that distract you. Uh, we cover a whole bunch of topics, uh, including how Ivan helps people transition from life to death. Uh, he explains his experience in Peru and the use of plant medicines and how he knew it was the right time to use ayahuasca and how the death of his parents in his early 20s really helped him uh, open up the doors to become a mindfulness trainer. And then towards the end of the, the, the episode, we really get around some of the misconceptions of plant medicines and how to use them safely, because they are tools in a in a in a self inquiry, and when used correctly, they can be extremely beneficial for understanding uh, deeper parts of ourselves. So, enjoy the episode, guys. I appreciate uh, you tuning in as always. If you haven't subscribed yet, be sure to subscribe on iTunes to stay updated for future episodes. Welcome to the State Shifters Podcast a show dedicated to helping you discover your true potential through connecting the mind, body, and soul. Ivan Simonetti, welcome to the State Shifters Podcast, my friend. How are you? I'm glad to hear your voice. Thanks for inviting me for this podcast. Oh, it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure, mate. Uh, and We connected uh, a few weeks ago by, by a mutual friend here in Toronto. And I was kind of captivated by the work that you do and, and I'm so intrigued and curious that I, I wanted to bring you onto the podcast because I feel uh, a lot of people can benefit from the from this type of work that you do and, and the field of work that you're in. Um, just to give people a bit of a background, I'll, I'll read out a small part of your bio here. It says here you're a, you're a certified expressive art therapist, a counsellor and mindfulness trainer helping people navigate through life transitions, uh, particularly experiencing grief and loss, exploring questions of meaning and identity. Uh, Ivan, do you mind just giving people your own description of the type of work that you do? Yeah, thanks. Um, 
Well, um, I'm an expressive art therapist and uh, what I really do with people is um, we engage in play, which helps them, which enables them. And it also goes away first from the problem and I also put them into their senses. Because often when we're too much in our head, things don't work out anymore. Yeah, 100%, man. And I think that's something that uh, I, is quite powerful when you pull someone back into their senses. You get them out of their head, which is where a lot of, uh, a lot of issues kind of stem from. Uh, yeah. I mean, you work a lot with uh, sound as well. Um, how, does, how did the sound play into this as well? Well, um, with sound and music, I have started when I was very, very young, my, I come from a family of healers and therapists and doctors. And um, my mom actually took care of um, a friend who was who was dying. And I was maybe just 17 or so. And I played already guitar for a few years. And I played very beautifully mesmerizing guitar loops, uh, which seemed to be very healing. My mom had all this confidence in saying like to me, why don't you go to to my friend to Gabrielle and uh, play some music for her? And and that's how it all started with me uh, playing at at the at the end of life and at uh, bedside music. Basically, people say it. I always say it wrong because <laughs> bedside bedside. I'm not really sure. I may make a switch there, but yeah. So basically, for people who are dying, if they're comfortable comfortable with music and someone coming in playing music in a certain manner which is uh which is uh transformative and, and healing for for their experience and for this challenge to come and how have you found the response for people who do listen to music at that time that that transition from life to death like is music something that kind of creates a very smooth transition it um, puts them certainly in their senses. And um, I mean, when we were, we have, let's put it this way, we have way before we have words, we have feelings. And music really captures that. Mm. And I mean, ask someone, how would you describe to die? Almost impossible, mm. right? that there's a feeling behind it and um, where just words can't grasp anything. And music music will definitely help to, to ease pain and anxiety and all the other benefits uh, it, can, it can give you with uh, creating serotonin and dopamine if you, if you sing or something like that or if you listen to music, you become certainly more open to it. 100%. Yeah. I mean... The work you do with music is quite powerful, but like the explain to people the direction that that this took when you took a trip to Peru and how how uh, your experience with ayahuasca how it kind of changed your direction going forward. Yeah, um, I was interested in uh, in the whole Peru experience when I came to to Canada in two thousand and eight. I hear it uh, from the works of Gabor Mate and uh, Jacques Mabit and uh, Bia Labate. 
who work uh, therapeutically with plant medicines. And my upbringing was, I would say, a mix of uh, Native American, hippie, and uh, New Age, Western kind of culture. Yeah. And I've always, I've always learned about plant medicines and, and herbal, herbal uh, remedies. Because I grew up in a house with a, with a doctor. My grandpa, Dr. Otto Kaiser, was a, was a doctor. And my mom was this plant medicine person. So I always had that in my mind that there's two different different realities which uh, people pursue. And one, one of them uh, basically just cuts things out but doesn't uh, treat uh, the main source of it. Which is often, uh, which is often certain beliefs we carry years along with us, where chronic pain, chronic pains actually come from. And the other faces us with, uh, with a truth about our psyche, which tells us why do we create this and this in the first place. Yeah, I mean that's one of the things that I was very intrigued by is is this world of plant medicines and ayahuasca and psychedelics as tools for uh, self-inquiry um, would call it therapy in a way um, a lot of people are now embarking on their own uh, ceremonial experiences using plant medicines especially um, trips to Peru and, and, and taking ayahuasca uh, but with there being so much information now out there about the power of these psychedelics um, I kind of wanted to bring you on to really to break through some of this information and get clear on, on how they should be used and why they should be used. And also the integration part, man, because that's, that's the key. Like if, if people are going to use these things responsibly, there's, there can be tools for uh, amazing benefits, um, both spiritually, psychologically, sometimes even physically. A lot of people have physical ailments that actually get, they get cured from this as well. Uh, and I want to know, like, when, how did your first experience change, change your perspective on, on plant medicines? And then, I guess, what advice would you have for someone who's thinking about their own, their own experience using okay. psychedelics? Uh, good question. So, um, well, the first time I, I, when I heard about uh, Gabor Mate and Jacques Mabit, I was curious and intrigued by it because they used it for therapy for drug addicts. Mm. And um, they had a high rate of success. But got, uh, Gabor got shut down because it was illegal in, in Canada. So I, that's why I went to Peru to do this experience. And um, it, changed, it changed my career in that that before I had this idea of myself to become this uh, animator and illustrator teaching art and music because I've always taught art and music and it it changed it to my roots to become a therapist, a healer and that first trip basically made me think of myself what what do how how can I contribute to this uh, community, and what kind of healing modality should I choose? Because I didn't want to go to school to become a doctor, or necessarily study psychology. 
or or any other longer kind of studies which might not uh, fit to my character being an artist using all kind of arts and, uh, and and music and clay and and play and all this so that was my first trip that question came up for me and that's what it changed for me that suddenly i wasn't so sure anymore to go to school and spend thousands of dollars to to get a bfa in animation or illustration and i was also curious about that experience because i hear they're singing in there and i learned from one of my teachers and mentors emery boudreau saying that the voice is the most powerful tool a musician has and I was curious, how, how do they sing to people and what do they sing and why is it called Vine of Death? And that, that all fascinated me since I was working with dying occasionally and with people grieving and, and, and um, suffering from loss. That's one main draw why I wanted to go to Peru. So like was your first experience, was it with ayahuasca or was it with other you try other psychedelic drugs before you dived into ayahuasca like how did you know the time was right to then go out to peru and take on this this it's a pretty it's a pretty big thing it's a pretty big uh, ritual and ceremony to take on how did you know it was the right time well um i felt a call to it to go to south america with a friend and um because I felt stuck because I wasn't so sure what to do anymore as well. And I was very curious about it. So I, for me, I thought also more like a, <laughs> like an educational trip for myself and a curious trip. And of course I, I saw myself more, I felt myself more as in a, what else in me, what else can I offer? Because, um, after this, uh, first, uh, trip I decided to become a therapist and I through my inquiry I learned that uh, express art therapy would be the best fit which would mean that none of my skills I bring already in with working with sound and music and uh, essential oils and smells or any other ritual use I've already I've already um, Familiar, familiar, familiarized myself with would would get lost. So that was my choice to to go to that that came out basically of out of my first trip. So then, how does if if how does someone know if if their time's right? Like, not everyone should go out and and te- you know experience these these type of type of healing experiences you, you you i guess you feel the the call for it you feel the call for it in a sense that um i don't know maybe you 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 watch the documentary and it's just keeps being in your head and uh you just feel the call to to go down there because uh western you tried all kind simply get lost by arriving back in the West. Yeah, mate, that integration part is, is something that's so key to this whole uh, experience in this world of psychedelics, which is, uh, which is what I believe a lot of people leave out, is the integration element. 
Um, so do you mind walk, walk us through some of the integration part? Because like how, if someone has a transformative experience, um, whether it's in Peru or wherever it may be, how do they then integrate this back into their everyday life? Does, do a lot of people have sudden shifts where all of a sudden they take a completely different direction? Um, I guess that's one thing that scares me about it. I've never, I've never uh, done, done an ayahuasca experience before, but I'm, it's something that's been, it's crossed my mind. Um, but I want to make sure that I, I do it properly. Um, and yeah. I know the integration part is vital. Um, yeah, I'm just, and I'm curious to know, how does, how does that process unfold? Well, um, for the integration part, I would use um, Dr. Gabor's uh, and Sadaram Kaur's compassion inquiry approach and um which basically questions people what's underneath their beliefs and what drives them right for example thinking of yourself not being good enough or or not being pretty enough or or not smart enough or all those all those beliefs which uh which we carry around our lives and the integration part would look like that we put light on that and that I also make sure that because often I, I just hear people over the phone maybe uh, or Skype because they're overseas or anything like that, that I make sure that they have a certain kind of self-care fundamental ready, such as uh, yoga or meditation or hiking in the forest or any arts, anything where they can express what words often can't that would be uh that would be beneficial any any expression anything what helps them to slow down to go in their senses because everything is so fast and that's why often people feel so so challenged in in that in that uh, perspective so you help people with the creative expression element through art uh, through sound what in the, when you say art, what does that involve? Is that just expressive writing and drawing and Yeah, that could be that could be writing. It could be uh painting, dancing, anything, anything. Even I mean, even if I give you a a piece of clay or or wire and ask you uh how how do you feel right now? Uh, don't don't add, not the typical how are you? Fine respond. But like what's really happening underneath? Because when we say fine, it doesn't really describe how we feel. It's just a statement, right? And, and um, with doing that, you can't just put a label on it. So you, you really express yourself through the arts, which literally means you avoid words, which are often limiting the experience of whatever you experienced and whatever you need to express. And then through that, I would ask you, what 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 would that piece say if it could speak, right? Or what was your challenge in uh, creating this piece? Or were there any surprises in creating such a sculpture or such a character on paper, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, I think I find that super cool. How do we encapsulate medicine art into this as well? How does that play into it? 
Yeah, so medicine. I my brand is called Medicine Art because I've started in 2008, way before I I even thought of becoming a therapist. I was still super duper drawing eight hours a day. Yeah. Uh, people in the subway in Toronto, uh, going up and down there. What I started to do, because I always worked in, in that field of um, bereavement and palliative care since I'm a teenager, um, I've, I've heard just so much, so much stories and so much, um, so much grief. And I never really realized that I captured their experience and their beliefs about themselves sometimes. And after drawing, for example, uh, one of my friends believes that she carries the past with her and it's such a heavy past and she doesn't let it go because her beliefs are stuck that that uh, she's not good enough or she's not pretty enough or anything like that, that um, she carries that with her. And so I started to draw a guy with, um, with a huge bag on his backpack and carrying that through his life. Or I drew a roller coaster going up and down with a smiley and a sad smiley and a heart and a broken heart, which uh, was an experience, an expression I did from a person who has borderline and who feels up and down every day. Like there's no, there's no constant state they have where they're happy for, let's say a few weeks until they get their, their bills or whatsoever. They're up and down every day, and that helped me. Medicine art basically helped me to to help people to point towards a certain experience they might have through the illustration I have done to address certain emotions they have might never been able to express in such a simple and easy way. That means that they can avoid to talk over something painful at all. So it, it, ma it basically makes a shortcut through a challenging experience you had in your life. For example, an overbearing father where I drew an illustration, someone saying, you're not good enough. And then the person walks away with a, with a thought bubble carrying on the back saying not good. That's what medicine art mm. also does. Yeah, so if someone wants to, to take part in the medicine art, then can they seek people like you like how how do they then take action on that because I, I haven't come across many people who who uh, incorporate that kind of therapy uh where does someone go if they want to take like take this take this direction oh medicine medicine art well you have to see me in vancouver um that's the first step <laughs> yeah i guess so or or um i guess through skype it could work too actually I never thought of that because I have the illustrations uh, on hand so I can show it through the camera and that way um, it it kind of I kind of avoid that classical so that classical question so how was your childhood uh, Jordan you know so it it allows to use art as an expression to talk about certain challenging topics right away. Of course, I will qu question more along the along the line to see uh, how things were along your life and your childhood. 
but the 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 medicine art really helps to cut through long conversations, arduous conversations, painful conversations. Yeah, and that's super that's super cool for people who don't feel comfortable expressing themselves uh, through language. Then that's that's it's just a different way of getting to the root of some of these underlying emotional issues that people might have, which is yeah. which is different to traditional therapy, right? Where people yeah. are asked to kind of communicate this stuff where a lot of the times emotions sometimes can't be communicated through language. Um, yeah. How do you communicate love through through language? That's uh, one example of it. Um, so, mate, that's super cool. I'm, I'm just so uh, fascinated by this. Um, and the term, I want to bring up the term mindfulness trainer uh, because I, I, find that, I find that title interesting. Do you mind elaborating on that? What, what's a mindfulness trainer? Yeah, absolutely. Trainer? Um, mindfulness trainer. Well... My, my first mindfulness training, basically, I would say if I had any guru or any teacher, it was, it was death. I learned so much from that. So, so much from being aware, being aware that everything can end suddenly. Your, your, your friends can die. Your family members can die, which I've experienced, um, with my brother and with my family in general, my brother's still alive. I lost my parents very young in my in my probably mid twenties, and um, that made me really realize that things suddenly just simply can end, and not not just uh, then, but even when I was younger, because of my mom, because she was so open and educative about uh, about death. Plus, uh, I was sitting beside my my grandma when she was passing i would say i was allowed to hold her when she she went when she was actually passing and to go back to the mindfulness training well you just i just suddenly sat out there and thought how everything is connected how we rush through life and don't see certain things which will which will nourish us and uh inspire us or guide us how we are always just rushing through and that taught me like hey just slow down slow down watch what's what's happening around you what's in your senses right now look at this tree won't be the same tree in five or ten years maybe it's even gone or or uh look at look at the ocean look at the the waves this wave comes right now in but then it's gone all that kind of inspired me to slow down. And one major big part, now I make a tangent towards um, plant medicine, like plant medicines again, is uh, fasting. Fasting also really, really helped me to slow down and, and um, be more mindful about things I eat, things I say, things I do, things I think. And that that part was also a very big part with uh, helping me to become more mindful, which is why I offer that to people when they come into my therapy session to put them into their senses and to challenge them to slow down and watch them how they're doing certain things. Absolutely love that because it's something that I'm constantly working through as well. And I think when I 
When I had my first coach, uh, her name's Jennifer Merrifield, she was actually on this podcast a few episodes ago, um, that, that was something that she really brought my attention to, was don't, don't try and rush through phases in life. Slow down and, and ask, what, 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 am I, what can I learn here? What am I learning in this, in this phase? And sometimes it does take a, a mindfulness coach or a life coach or just a friend who, who can bring your attention back to this yeah. moment to see what, 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 can, what can I learn now? Yeah, uh, I love that. I love that whole slow down concept because, yeah, it, for me, that's something I'm always battling with: is the momentum of the mind that constantly looking for the next. What do I need to do next? Where am I going? What am I doing? And it's reminding myself to to come back to this moment. Slow yeah. down. What can I learn here and now? Um, exactly. I, Which is hard because we carry those little genies with us, right? <laughs> yeah. Call them cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you rub them and uh, something comes out of it. So you get a parcel True. to your home or I don't know, or you get another response for it. They're also helping to speed things up and to make us actually very unconscious and walk and ba- basically text the talk rather than walk the talk, right? <laughs> <laughs> Too many yeah, people are texting are the little, talk these days. Those are a little, little uh, tr- tricksters, absolutely, and uh, and they 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 help people to get out of sorts and get all yeah, of this man. to themselves. And that's when I tell people, I often ask people, when was the last time you saw Doctor Doctor Forrest? Right. Mm. So they, you, you get it, right? They yeah. go into nature. And put your phone off, and, and no, don't don't do selfie right now. Maybe <laughs> you know, don't don't show everybody. Yeah. Hey, I'm in the forest. <laughs> you know, this constant this constant need to share uh, is um, c- can be a tricky kind of thing as well to not to be present at all, or mindful, or even really feel what's happening for you right now. It's funny you should say that because uh, I actually, I've just come back from a, a weekend away up north here in uh, Ontario. Uh, spent spent the weekend away off off the grid, no electricity. It didn't touch my phone for three days. Oh wow! Um, and it was yeah, exactly what you just said. It was it was it was something that I noticed in myself that yeah, I was getting caught up in in the in the sharing and then the phone genie, and I was like, it's yeah, it's yeah. time to <laughs> get back and connect with nature and and that and that that simple practice of slowing down uh, for me nature like you said is just so powerful in doing that um, and it kind of filled me with more clarity uh, when I came back and I think it's something that it people should be more aware of the times when you are starting to to get overwhelmed the mind is starting to uh, keep you trapped in in yeah. a, a, a cycle of looking to the next moment for fulfillment and that's when yeah. the slow down aspect comes into it um, yeah, that, that's a uh, that's a big part how addiction plays a role because you always look for everything external, what makes you happy, but not internal, right? To be appreciative of of the of the moment, and, that, and that's how the addiction ball, I like to call it, starts to roll. Mm. And when people, if if people would ask me uh, how how do you start that, I would say I I love to. Every time when I eat in the morning, I just light a candle. That way I put myself into the senses or light an incense, right? And give thanks. 
give thanks, show gratitude. What What do you have? What What's What's happening right now? Do you when you eat? You know. Now we go back to mindfulness. Um, when I when we talked about my, being a mindfulness trainer, to put people back in their senses. For example, what did that apple need to be on your plate? You know. Or what did that peanut butter need to be on your on your toast? You know, so think about all those things: all the sun, the rains it had, people who harvested it, the bees pollinating it, all all that is happening. That all that happened in my mind when I was fasting, or when when I had my when I had um, near death experience or a psychedelic experience. All those things are very similar to each other, and and they help me to, to slow down. And that's something I really recommend: slow down, phone off, maybe just for for the breakfast time. Give thanks, light a candle, and that will really help you to ground and to slow down. Yeah, mate, uh, I, so powerful. Like, because it was so relatable for me at the moment, and I'm seeing how how that simple act of slowing down and just being grateful for little things um, can really just quell the momentum of the mind. Um, and I mean, there's, so, there's actually so many things I want to bring up here, but um, I want to be mindful of your time as well. Um, but I guess I want to rewind um, back briefly to uh, the, the death element, the near-death experience that, that you spoke, spoke about. Um, because I know... It's a it's a difficult thing to to talk about uh, for a lot of people, yeah. Um, yeah. and I know you work directly with a lot of people who are going through um, clo- uh, grieving experiences, near death experiences. What mm-hmm. what what has death taught you? And and I guess what do you want other people to know more about death? Yeah, um, death for sure. I always drew that um, illustration. Uh, haven't published it yet uh, with uh, with the guy with the rope and his uh, tip typical typical uh, uh, how do you call that thing he cuts off the soles when he cuts the fields forgot how that thing is called in English in German you say sense um, anyway he has his hands on on a little child's uh, a shoulder and the child looks up on it and it says Thank you, thank you for teaching me to be in the moment. Thank you for teaching me to be uh, to slow to slow down. Thank you for teaching me how to forgive, how to be how to be mindful, how to give thanks for what I have, for not holding grudges. Thank you to help me to see see reality how it really is and how uh, how temporary it is. And um, thank you for seeing, for helping me to see the magic in nature through that lens. Because otherwise, you just don't pay attention. Because you you don't you don't allow yourself to go into something such as a flower, or a tree, or a sunset, or anything. Sometimes those moments they're just not seen and and felt they're labeled maybe yeah it's a sunset sure i've seen tons of those yeah it's a flower or no it's a tree you know so so you 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 label it rather than you're really with it with with that thing and that's really what 
death, working with dying, really taught me to be grateful for not having pain, for being able to to do what I do as a human being. That can be different for wh whoever else is working. But that's what it really, really, really taught me is to slow down. And that was my best teaching I've ever had from anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's something we often forget, isn't it? That we're actually dying to the present moment all the time. You know, as the sun, yeah. as a day ends, that's a death to another day. As, as the sun sets, let's yeah, bring your awareness to the, all the little deaths that are actually happening all around us. Yeah, um, can sometimes make the bigger deaths seem exactly. seem yeah. less severe. And I also don't wanna, I don't wanna lay on the floor. What what it also really brought to my awareness that I constantly always want to work on myself through with my relationships. Because I really just don't want to have grudges um, with someone or, or anything. And I mean, that, that stuff always happens. doesn't matter how old we become. Relationships become sometimes more challenging because we become more opinionated about things. We are less open-minded and, and less uh, capable of hearing, uh, hearing how others feel about us, right? If we hurt someone and whatnot. And um, that, is, that is something... Uh, that is something that it really taught me that I always, it basically, death basically taught me about life, not about death. That's the, that's the funny part about it is that people are saying actually, oh no, uh, it's, that's a funny topic. I don't want to, you know, people don't engage into that topic, but it is actually a life coaching topic. That's, that's what I find. And this is also, this is also very important to 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 know and this is exactly what i bring into a scenario when someone is dying if i'm asked to counsel or to coach something or to work with people besides the music which captures things which words just can't but that i bring in this knowledge of people being able to forgive to let go of grudges as i already said and to to let, let go of, of any any issues they had maybe with other family members death often makes that happen so easily that people can easier apologize to each other and confess saying things oh yeah i was an idiot sorry sorry brother or sorry sister you know when they see each other on 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 the deathbed or at the funeral or hospital or something I've seen that so many times that suddenly just the fact that we realize that we're so temporary that people become, yeah, that's a good word, actually, to become softer around themselves, softer around uh, who they think they are and who they think they should be. The ego basically became softer. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's one of the, I think that's one of the greatest uh, spiritual practices anyone can kind of um, incorporate is, is contemplating death and uh, the temporary nature of, of all things and how transitory we are. And like you just said, it, it cuts through the egos, the egos barriers between us connecting authentically with other people. And sometimes when we think about how short we are actually here for, you, you realize that some of these silly arguments or grudges that we hold against people, it's just particularly family members uh, and loved ones. It's, it's just, it's not, it's not worth it. Um, 
like that's yeah, a great spiritual practice to to incorporate is is contemplate contemplate death yeah. um and can see it try and see it in a more of a, a positive light like like what you coach people through is death shouldn't be a something that we run from and are scared to face if we face it then we actually see life from a different angle we and i think that's so cool that you do that um and then help other help others see that as well uh, yeah thanks yeah it was it's a it's always it's always a challenge for myself too and it's it's never it's never it's never easy to lose someone and it's never easy to apply what I just said verbally. Mm. And I have I have challenges coming up monthly, weekly, where I put exactly that reflection on myself to say like, hey, now you're judging right now or you're thinking negative right now. Like, come on, you know. So that's the challenge about that. That's that's what it always does does to me. But it never becomes easy to go through loss or anything. That's never taught and never learned really. I I find in a sense that it's not painful. And but life is is painful. That's what life often is all about and we just can't grow out of our we just can't grow in our comfort zone. That's something something that sucks, but it's how it is, right? Yeah, breaks the pain or doesn't kill us makes us stronger. Yeah, kinda. Yeah, Ivan, I want to, I want to bring up uh, Dr. Gabor Mate. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, Because I know when when I met you, I I sensed uh, uh, the influence he had on you uh, through his work, Uh, and I want to, I want to find out more about about how he he impacted you and how his work. Uh, through um, therapy and and other similar forms of, well, you you did you worked alongside him? Was that correct? No, not at all. No. Not at all. I've um, I've uh, read his books. One when the body says no was one of the biggest impacts to me. It really it really really inspired me, and it connected me also to my to my mother as well because. Um, she always told me a lot of a lot of disease start to happen in our minds. A lot of things that's how they start, and then we create certain behaviors and certain postures, and that's how we create certain certain issues and challenges. And I and I and I like that he kind of does the same thing. He says the body will tell you, it, it will tell you no, and even. If you don't hear it, it will it will make you sick. That's how loud it can be. How loud it can say no, and it can go further that you can even die from something like that, right? And um, that's that's what he inspired me to. And on top of it, his work in Mexico and uh, his documentary with um, uh, Dr. Jack Mabit, who has this. Uh, healing center um called takiwasi and um that really really inspired me where i thought like i really wanted to go back to peru and reconsider my career wanting to become an animator and wanting to look into plant medicines which is why i went for six months he really inspired me to 
to try this out before I choose any therapy modality for myself, which would fit to myself. That's what he. That's what he did. And uh, right now, I'm enrolled into um, a course called Compassion Inquiry, led by him and Sadaram Kaur. And uh, she also, she and him, they had this uh, program called Beyond Addiction. There's actually a website called like that. And uh, it's basically the, yo- the yogic path to recovery from addiction. And Gabor's method of uh, uh, compassionate inquiry, where we f- reflect people's beliefs and what drives them in their daily lives, basically. Yeah, I'm yet to read any of Gabor's uh, books, but I, it's certainly on my radar, and I'm and I'm intrigued. Where where would you suggest someone starts if they want to start to dig more into his his stuff? Oh, I I, I has tons of videos on YouTube, and um, his books are his books are great, and um, yeah, and he he is probably maybe he's in your town where you can take. Uh, uh, a course uh, to, to take part of one of your seminars and um, that really helped uh, a lot of people I believe where he kind of reflected what they're run by and what their beliefs are about themselves and how those beliefs kind of hurt them and how they're not compassionate towards themselves and uh, their issues and challenges they have and how how to how to be how how to basically be kinder to yourself and that's what those seminars uh, really are what that seminar was about when i was there where he called people up to stage and he asked them about themselves and they told him what kind of challenges they had and he helped them to see those beliefs underneath yeah man it's one of my one of my favorite quotes is is when you have unconditional love for yourself, you step into an entirely new energy field. And it wasn't something that I, I really took on board until I started working here at a healing clinic in, in Toronto and, and at Soul Seven. And I realized how that is one of the one of the primary things that people struggle with the most. It's it's that self love uh, and, and loving the self first. And if you can't love yourself first, then then the healing becomes very difficult. And it, that compassionate uh, self-inquiry is something that I'm fascinated by and, and that's why the work that you do and the work that Gabor does is is so powerful because it's helping people love every part of themselves, the, the dark and the light. Uh, and yeah, that- yeah. It, it, it teaches them, it, they still need to love themselves. He doesn't do that for them, but uh, yeah, he, it definitely shows them how they're beating themselves up with certain beliefs and and how it's more hurtful than harmful and why they do what they do. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be, again, mindful of your time. I've got a, a, few, a couple more questions, mate, and then I'll let, I'll let you go. Uh, but before I ask them, if, if people want to learn more about you and your work, I know you have an amazing YouTube channel. Uh, yeah. Iveno. I-V- That's right. I-V-E-N-O. Uh, That's right. People can watch your sound, your sound healing videos on there as well. Uh, where, where else can people connect with you online, man, and, and, and dig into yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, my, the artist's name is uh, Ivan O. Um, spell the word given, take the G away, and then you got Ivan, the right spelling. It's with E in the middle. 
and then just at do at the end ivan o one word and um you can find me on soundcloud bandcamp uh facebook fan page and um youtube as well and i've started an etsy thing but i haven't gone through with it uh, i think also amazon merch uh, i i love to create and love to draw in, in my heart i'm really a, um, a therapist and a healer but with that comes my education in arts and graphic design and, and illustration and all that and my medicine art I really encourage people to check out my medicine art on Redbubble. There as well, Ivan. Oh, I have unpacking stuff on YouTube, which you can find where I talk about the products, whether they're good or not. And there's links in there. The medicine art, as I already said, they help really people to inspire, to guide, to heal, to question. They can be helpers. You can give medicine art to other people, uh, for example, the forgiveness card or, or the self-care card or the respect card. I've drawn all those topics and you can say things with, uh, with a word, with a, with an illustration rather than those words. And it might help friends or loved ones to see things differently. I believe it's very powerful and yeah, I appreciate if people check it out, drop a comment and, uh, yeah, that's it for my uh, for my online presence. Thanks. Yeah, I love it, man. Uh, so, plenty of places where people can connect with you. I'll definitely link them up uh, uh, in the show notes for this episode. Uh, Thank and, you. And my friend, I know you have a you have a profile on Maps. Uh, for people yes. who don't know what Maps is, uh, do you mind giving us some background on that? Oh yeah. Jeez, yeah. I, I hope I get it together. Um, <laughs> Maps stands for multi. Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, and uh, they they have uh, all those doctors and researchers who are helping to put research on, um, let's say, also plant medicines or or MDMA for for um, psychotherapy and people with PTSD, and um, they make amazing research in that field and help put light on it and educate people about certain medicines and what what the the whole harm reduction aspect of it as well and they connect people with resources for people like me who help people to integrate experience or for people who are who are um, interested in, in certain research projects or certain certain um, medicines and yeah, they, they put a lot of light and knowledge about that topic. And I believe they also um, made the first privately funded uh, clinical study, I believe, in history actually ever, which was the MDMA, MDMA-assisted psychotherapy study, which are also, there's some amazing, amazing books out there for people to read through that. And yeah, connecting to maps, a um, few of my doctors, my, my I, I don't really have superheroes as doctors. Uh, sorry, I don't really have uh, superheroes as leading figures. They became more doctors, which I admire and I love for their work. 
Yeah, so from Spider-Man, I changed my superhero to, let's say, Gabor Mate or James Fadiman or also another cool guy is Neil M. Goldsmith. Uh, all of them have amazing books about um, psychedelics and harm reduction because people do it anyway, but you want them to do it uh, in a respectful way and by also not getting hurt, it has to be said. And one of the books I really recommend from those guys is uh, Psychedelic Healing uh, from ne Neil M. Goldsmith. And another one, The Psychedelic Explorer's Guide by James Fadiman. Both of them have also videos on YouTube and you can listen yourself and watch yourself smart through them to make sure that uh, you take the right path. Yeah, beautiful, mate. Thanks for sharing that. It's great to see that through the work of MAPS and, and, other, and other people now speaking openly about the benefits of psychedelics, uh, that the stigma is starting to lift a little bit. Yes, um, it is. Which is good. Uh, and I guess what's something that you want people to, to take away from this conversation around um, plant medicines and other healing that, that you partake in? What do you want, what do you, I guess, for people to, to take away and for society, I guess, to take away in general through the work that you've done? What have you realized that are some of these misconceptions around, around mm. plant medicine? Um, well, this whole, this whole idea of, of uh, going to the jungle and, and drinking ayahuasca or, or going to Mexico, uh, having peyote or San Pedro, um it's 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 coming back and it, it was never gone it just disappeared for a while it's something we have done thousands of years ago thousands of years ago way before we heard anything about uh about ayahuasca or, or any other plant medicine retreats and those those things come back so they are somehow in our genetics and they they do they do promote healing, but um, it's a healing. It's sometimes not really adaptive to the Western beliefs and cultures because we live in such boxes. So I, I really warn people to to just easily dive into such an endeavor, for example, to go to Peru and don't do any research on it or or don't know what retreat you go to. This whole realm has to be respected, has to be very humbly approached because you, you see the truth of, of yourself and who you are and whether you're not comfortable with it, it, it will be there. It will be in your face, especially depending on what dose you take from whatever substance. So I, I kind of I want people to be cautious about such uh, substances because plant Plants have two characteristics. One is a, not necessarily a bad one, but a good and a bad one. And one of them from plant medicines can can mean that they make you freak out, right? Because you don't want to see the truth. And especially if you push it back, it pushes you back harder. If experience you don't like and you're not able to have a guide with you and not able the guy telling you you have to hold your experience now 
just hold it, don't judge it, don't uh, push it down or anything. That can be very dangerous. So I really want people to be safe doing all those those psychonaut endeavors, which are very trendy anyway these days, and I hear it quite often. And I really don't don't want people to just have them for for uh, parties or, or any other things. They're way too sacred to do that. So really, 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 really respect it. You're 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 dealing with an entity which can slap back at you if you're not approaching it respectfully. And I also include their uh, cannabis and marijuana, uh, especially edibles. Have to be very, you have to be very cautious about those things. Uh, and make a make a ritual, give thanks, and connect to it, and slow down. Don't just go into it because you will you will fall on your face if you if you do so. Yeah. Very well said, my friend. Uh, I guess that. We should put the disclaimer out there that we, I guess, um, we don't condone this type of, uh, this type of, yes, this action. I'm, I'm, I'm someone that will openly admit that I have tried uh, mushrooms in the past, um, but that's me. That, that, and I was ready. I was ready for for that experience, and that doesn't necessarily mean everyone's ready for that experience. It's something that people should yeah. gauge for themselves. And I guess for me to throw my two cents in to that is, is I think people should. Um, begin some form of inner work or um, self-inquiry before even yes. looking at taking these types of medicines. Yes. Um, for me, it was meditation. I, I strongly yes. believe meditation or can actually have just as a powerful effect as some of these some of these medicines. And yeah. it's that's how I knew I was ready. Is is I was prepared to f- to face whatever was going to come up. Uh, yes. And that's so important for people who who are thinking about trying this. Is you got to be you got to be ready uh, like you said at the start of this 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 interview that you got to be ready to to take that dive and be prepared yeah. for whatever comes up yeah exactly and for whatever it all depends what dose you take uh, that will also decide whether what you will see and what you won't won't see right otherwise it will just be a stimulant towards your senses but if you take higher doses it can be really a, a psycho a psychotherapist to that sense, but which will be very honest and and also challenge you. And really important, also meditation is awesome, yoga is awesome. Also super duper important, often overviewed is fasting. Juice fast, water fast. I've my longest my longest water fast was uh, almost two weeks. Uh, juice fast a week. That can be also such a, a, a psychedelic experience, right? So I encourage people to do, uh, before they do any plant medicines or uh, fast from your life in general and see how that feels, right? Yeah. Yeah, thanks, man. I think if fasting, if fasting is something that I want to I try longer form fasting. Is there an element of preparation that needs to go into that as well before someone dives into a two-week juice fast? Um, well, juice, juice fast... Um, I would say is is uh, um, less complicated. There's tons of uh, uh, instructions on on the social media, YouTube's and whatnot, and and books out there. Uh, water fast, I would for sure have more caution. For example, I just recently learned before I did it hardcore, just water fast, and dove right into it. But as I age, I I just can't do that anymore, and I can't handle it as well. Um, you, you just start to eat more lightly, 
with uh, either juice or water fast to switch your complete diet off from uh, meat or any dairy products, uh, milk, anything like that, or even fish or anything unhealthy, just to scale it all down before you go into any juice fast where you just fast in general with the food and also with your senses, with what you what you watch, what you hear, what you do, like reduce your time on social media, let's say, if you walk around with your genie in your face everywhere, try try to avoid fast for that and see how that, because when you're doing fast and all of a sudden you dive into the social medias and you come across all those uh, those uh, quotes and uh, spiritual keyboard warrior things and they, they can really hurt you, they can really hit you hard, especially when you're on just a water fast certain quotes and little videos they can really they can really uh, confuse you they can be dangerous so so fasting also in a material way yeah absolutely love that yeah I, i'm gonna and it's something i want to start doing more of because uh, it is as you realize how hard it is sometimes to you know people forget their phone and they have like freak outs like holy shit my phone's more than two meters away from me and people get get start to get scared Fast from technology and, and social media is something that I think we should all start to practice more of, including myself. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for thanks for all that. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, I, I guess uh, our time together is is coming coming to an end. Uh, but I guess one last question before we before we take off. Uh, the podcast now for me is has been about inspiring people to take purposeful action. I kind of realized that. You can read all the books you want. You can listen to all the podcasts you want, watch all the videos. But unless you take action on the information that you, you absorb, you aren't going to really notice any significant changes uh, in your life because knowledge without action is, is just um, potential. It's untapped potential. Um, so I, I really want to focus on giving people purposeful action. Uh, so people who have obviously listened for, to this point in the podcast are clearly on some sort of spiritual path or a path of deeper self-inquiry. And I guess the beauty of the podcast is people can chew on bits of information and, and spit out the parts that aren't resonating with them, but also take on board the stuff that is. So if you could leave some purposeful, action-orientated advice from someone after listening to this podcast, whether that be in the field of plant medicines or other mindfulness training techniques, uh, what do you want to leave people with? Give thanks. Get up in the morning, give thanks. Light a candle, give thanks. Give thanks for what you have because it, it, it's not a question whether you're palliative care or end of life. The truth is you never know when you go. So give, give thanks. You never know when your last day will come. And when you really realize that, just just give thanks. It will it will enhance your yoga and your meditation and whatever else you do with 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 uh, with your practice. Give thanks. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Uh, I want to give thanks for for you for for our connection and uh, the universe has brought us together. And I'm super grateful for that. And um, you've shared so much valuable information on this thanks. on this podcast, man. So thank you. Thanks, thanks for calling me and thanks for inviting me. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, right. guys, for listening. And check out Ivano YouTube. I would love that. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Bye, Bye for now. guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
as always, if you would like to leave a rating or review, please do so on iTunes. Also, if you've got friends or family members who might be considering using psychedelics or if they're going through a difficult period and, and experiencing loss or death in their family or someone close to them, share this episode with them. And of course, reach out to Ivan or me. And we'll see you in the next episode. Take care.